are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Sun Devil fans. You're listening to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Tonight, we're going to get into all of our thoughts on ASU's offense through four games. Then in the second segment, we're going to do something similar uh, as far as the defense, talk about some of our, our favorite standout players. And for the third segment, uh, we're going to talk about ASU's schedule, look at the games, break down who we think ASU is going to have a for sure win against, who we think they're going to lose against, and maybe some tiebreakers for games that could go either way. Welcome inside to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. We are joined, as always, by my co-host, Richie Bradshaw, and we have a special guest, Donnie Druin, today from Sports Illustrated's Sun Devil page as well. Donnie, how you doing today, man? Very good. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, so I'm excited <laughs> to finally get on the show. We've been, we've been wanting to do it for a while, so we're, we're glad we have your expertise on tonight. Uh, Richie, how you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm even better that I get to talk football, Arizona State football, with my best friend and Connor's Which is, Oh, man, I knew that's exactly <laughs> what you were going to say. I'll take a moment for anyone to ask how I'm doing. Connor, how are you? You know, I'm not too bad. I feel like every time I do the intro on the podcast, it's just like, well, and I have to talk about us playing against UCLA this week and how I don't think that's going to go very well, but I'm going to fake a smile, and we're going to get through it. So to answer your question, I'm doing okay. I'm going to fake a smile. Good, good. So for our first segment tonight, we're going to talk about and mostly get Donnie's opinions uh, on the ASU offense so far through four games. And what we're looking for are maybe some offensive standouts from what he's seen so far and maybe some of his favorite players. So Richie and I kind of beat some of the same drums, and you might feel this way too. Uh, some of our favorite guys could be like an Andre Johnson. Um, even as a, a freshman, we feel like he could be a total freak of nature if they just actually throw him the ball a little bit more. Um, obviously a big Jaden Daniels fan, uh, great athlete, both with his arms and legs, uh, just still waiting for that development to happen a little bit more through the air. And then got to be a fan of all the running backs as well. Uh, but Donnie, with that, I'll pass it over to you. Who are some of your standout players so far through four games? I mean, when you talk about standouts on ASU offense, I mean, look further, no further, excuse me, than Rashad White, leading both the team in rushing and receiving. And this is a guy who led the Sun Devils in receiving last year in 2020 as well. And especially in the absence of Chip's train, I mean, he's really had to shoulder the workload for that ASU Sun Devils offense, like you already alluded to earlier. I mean, they really love to pound the football over and over again. I mean, that's kind of their MO, right? You know, kind of taking control of the clock, wearing defenses out over the course of the four quarters, all having very talented running backs to do so Rashad White kind of playing more I know a lot of people are, are uh, Sun Devils fans as they are Cardinals fans I really like to use the analogy of guys like James Conner and um Chase Edmonds, excuse me. Um, Edmonds being more of that kind of a little bit more versatile, uh, a little bit more pass catchy type of back, whereas Connor's more that little bit of a bruiser kind of guy. Uh, Train him obviously kind of fits that mold. And then White is obviously the more, uh, you know, pass catcher kind of PPR guy you definitely want in your college football fantasy leagues. So uh, definitely a big part of the offense, both in the receiving and rushing realms. And then Kellen Deesh, left tackle, is definitely one of my offensive standouts. I mean, he's looked solid through the first four games, and a lot has been made about the Sun Devils' protection of Jaden Daniels and how big it needs to be in order for the offense to find success through the air. Deesh is a legitimate pro prospect. He's looking at 
probably like a, a high, not a high, excuse me, a low day two, high day three grade at the very moment. I mean, his draft stock seems to improve week by week. That should, that should only, excuse me, get better as the weeks go on and, and the competition starts to get better. But those two guys are, are they're definitely a treat to watch week in and week out. Rashad White's definitely a staple that Richard and I like to talk about. Uh, I want to say maybe our first or second week on the podcast, we had talked. Um, so last year, he led the team in both rushing and receiving yards. And while that may not happen over a longer season, I feel like every week we go look at the box score, Richie. Uh, Rashad White's just still one of the leaders. Jaden Daniels loves to dump the ball off to him. Uh, and he's still one of, like, if it's not going to be an Andre Johnson or Ricky Pearsall, um, Rashad White's either at the very top or one of the leaders in receiving yards each week. Yeah, dude is a straight-up gamer. Dude's a straight-up baller. You put the ball in his hands, and he's going to create with it. He's absolutely electric. And, I mean, he does it in a return game, too, with the few opportunities he gets. Obviously, DJ Taylor has kind of taken over the role as the primary return man, but when White is out there returning punts, he's just as electric as he is as a receiver out of the backfield or running outside or between the tackles. It just any way that you can get Rashad White the ball, the better your offense is going to be and the more opportunity you have to score touchdowns. So Donnie, you had talked a little bit about the running backs, right? Specifically, I want to touch on chip train him. We haven't gotten to see a lot of him this year. Uh, You mentioned all three of our running backs have kind of a different style in terms of what they bring to the team. And I think the team loves that as a whole. Uh, The running back coach talked a little bit about trying to get a a running back by committee approach going forward, especially once chip is healthy. Uh, Do we expect chip to play this week again for maybe the, the third week in a row? Yeah, you know, after all of this time of hearing how Chip's actually going to play, it does look like we'll see him for the UCLA game. It appeared that he confirmed that through his Twitter account and the multiple coaches had confirmed it through their press conferences throughout the week. Uh, So definitely a big sign to get that guy back because obviously I mean, we could talk until we're blue in the face about how well guys live, uh, you know, Rashad White and Daniel and God have played during his absence, but the Sun Devils rushing attack has not looked the same without train. I mean, they haven't been able to move the chains as effectively. They haven't been able to pick up those tough extra yards that chip specializes in, you know, there's not a guy who on third and one, you can trust to go pick up a cloud of dust and, you know, keep the chains moving whenever he needed the most. So his presence, I feel like is going to be so huge and so vital going into the Rose Bowl, you know, a battle for the, you know, supremacy in the Pac-12 South to take full control of that division, you know, moving forward. That would just yeah, be a and, wonderful... Uh, Sorry, go ahead, Richie. No, you're good. I just, I love, Donnie, that you mentioned that the, the run game's not the same without Trainum because Trainum is that pounded between tackles kind of guy. And late in games, he's the tone setter. He's the one who breaks the back of the defense. And he's the one you want running the ball to put the chew clock on. So it's definitely an aspect that the run game has been missing. Putting Trainum back into the fold. Sorry, do they put shoe clock on in college? Is that a thing? Of course. Yeah, you just double tap the the L3 joystick on your PlayStation. Twice. Twice. Gotcha. Yeah, you do it twice. Sorry. Yeah, do it twice and then you put shoe clock on. So with that being said, uh, those are some of the offensive standouts so far that Donnie is noticing. Now, what about any of your favorite players who on the offense, whether it is a starter, maybe someone coming in for a rotational play, is there anybody that you specifically love watching week in and week out? So before I list them, I actually do want to give an honorable mention. We've already almost touched on him a little bit. Uh, since Trainum's been out, I feel like Ngata has played very well in the limited amount of roles 
in touches that he's seen. And, and I personally feel like even whenever Trainum is back, which again should be this weekend versus UCLA, and Ghana should play a little bit of, of a factor. I mean, just the, his ability to, you know, stretch the ball inside, outside, almost acting like a, a healthy mix between White and Trainum all together. I mean, he's really a very solid back fairs in the state. But moving on to my actual favorite players, Ricky Pearsall. And, you know, there's a lot of guys through this ASU wide receiver court that seem talented, right? Like you, you watched him make a play. We talked about Andre Johnson a little bit earlier. Like, you know, they can make plays, but it, it's just like, so like hit or miss with a lot of those guys. Some of it is on Jaden. Some of it is on them. I feel like Ricky Pearsall, the most consistent guy throughout the entire game, whenever it comes to being a receiver, making those tough contested catches. I mean, he's great after the catch with the ball in his hands. And if the quote Richie Bradshaw a couple weeks ago on Locked on Sun Devils, and he can pass. I mean, like, what can't this guy do, right? That's what I was yeah, going to ask. Are you a bigger fan of Ricky Pearsall, the receiver or the passer? I mean, man, if, if he's going to keep throwing the ball like that, definitely a passer. And that's also something that's a really good point, too. I feel like Zach Hill has done a really good job of being really creative at times with these guys and kind of stretching out their limits and exploiting defenses and things that they're just not game planning for. I mean, nobody really game plans for a Ricky Pearsall, you know, wide receiver double pass, right? 100%. And I, I've brought it up before on the podcast as well that Ricky Pearsall is Julian Edelman. Like he's the Walmart brand version of Julian Edelman. He does everything well for that offense. Like you, like you mentioned, he's definitely the most consistent aspect where some of the other big receivers kind of disappear at times, or we see them once or twice in the game and then nothing else. We see Pearsall consistently. And like you mentioned uh, with, with the offensive coordinator that they're able to really get creative with everything. And part of that is because Pearsall can do so many things well. I feel like Ricky Pearsall could be the target target version of Julian Edelman. I don't think we have to stoop so low to say Walmart, right? I mean, only if you say it like Target, like a lot of people do. Tar-Jay. They try to get bougie with it. Target. My dad always said that growing up, and I never understood like why he did it. And it just it, it took a while for me to click that he was just saying it to be all fancy. So that is Donnie Jordan's thoughts as far as the offense through four weeks. We're going to do something similar with the defense in our second segment. You're listening to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Football season is in full effect, and there's no better way to have some fun with a little bit of friendly sports gambling than going to bet online. As always, betonline.ag is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use that promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and safest way to bet all your favorite sports. Remember to use the promo code locked on as well. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we're back with our second segment of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Again, joined by our Sun Devil expert, Donnie Druin. He gave his takes on the offense for the Sun Devils in the first segment. And now we're going to get some similar takes on the defense in the second segment. So Donnie, again, if you've listened to this podcast at all, we have some favorite players on offense that we talk about somewhat frequently. There is a defensive player that we talk about, I think, almost daily. 
Um, I'm scared to find out what happens if we don't talk about him because at this point it's just a habit, right? And, and you can't break that habit. So I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but uh, linebacker Darian Butler has played pretty well so far through four games. It is a okay. Darian yeah. Butler podcast. Yeah, it's a it's a Darian Butler world, and I feel like we're all just uh, living in it. And that's a it's especially funny because throughout the offseason, there's a lot of hype about Merlin Robinson, right? Like, you know, this is his linebacker core. He was going to be kind of the veteran leader of the defense. And then Darian Butler just comes through and not that he's upstaging Robinson at all, but I mean, he's definitely taken, I feel like the entire conference by storm with just his playmaking ability, both in, you know, run support and, you know, dropping back into coverage as well. Butler obviously is probably the standout in terms of, especially the front seven, but so far the defense as a whole. Um, the linebacking core is still great between Kyle Soley and then Merlin Robertson as well. Um, Robertson was definitely the most hyped up name, I think, coming into the season, but um, Butler has been such a nice surprise. So with that, are there any other standouts outside of the obvious uh, on the Sun Devil defense? Yeah, I mean, gosh, you already took one of my standouts, so I guess I got to pick up the uh, scraps and just give you my other one. I have Jack Jones and, you know, there's a bunch of defensive secondary players you can pick out of this defense who, you know, you can actually put forth as the quote unquote standout, but Jack Jones, I mean, two passes defended one interception, one forced fumble, 11 tackles on the season, you know, especially stepping up whenever Chase Lucas was out. Um, He's out for the entire game against Buffalo. Then he apparently suffered a hit to the head against BYU. So Jack Jones was the number one guy whenever Chase Lucas was out. And I felt like he held his ground extremely well. And it always pays dividends to have those two strong corners, especially in college football, whenever you're going against passing attacks left and right, especially in a conference like the Pac-12 conference as well. So Jack Jones is definitely my other standout guy. I mean, so the, the playmaking ability he offers in the secondary, I mean, I feel like he's a physical guy who can also cover as well. Everything you'd pretty much want and your typical Pac-12 cornerback, he provides you on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, we, ha- we have a little joke similar to the rapper Mike Jones. Whenever we bring up Jack Jones, of, of course, we have to shout at the top of our lungs, Who? which I'm sure all of our fan base totally appreciates. Of course. Definitely several players along the defense uh, that are at least budding stars, I I think, in my opinion. I wish we saw a little bit more out of the defensive line, but obviously a couple big injuries early in the season uh, has kind of derailed those planes a little bit, but it's next man up for the Sun Devils. Now, what about your favorite players outside of maybe the Jack Joneses or the Darian Butlers who obviously are easy to pick as your favorites. Is there anybody else that you enjoy watching every single week for the Sun Devil defense? Well, I already talked to him, but I'll, I'll uh, just talk about him again. Merlin Robinson, you know, for a guy who I don't want to say has, t- has the uh, spotlight taken away from him in terms of just play whenever it comes to Darian Butler, but still being able to call himself the leader of that Sun Devils defense, the anchor in that front seven, the guy who's, you know, able to organize everybody up front to ensure that offenses aren't able to effectively move the ball quarter after quarter. And it takes a very strong guy to do that both physically and mentally. And so far, I feel like Merlin Robinson has, um, no, I feel like he got off to a slow start at the beginning of the season. And I'm sure, you know, Darian Butler's phenomenal, you know, 
skyrocket start to the season didn't exactly help that. But I feel in the last two games, especially in the Colorado game, he's really starting to kind of find his footing again and be the linebacker that everybody at Arizona State knows that he can be. And a DJ Davidson along the defensive line is another guy. And especially on, you know, a defensive line where two of their starters are out long-term. We talk about Chavez Moore and Jermaine Lole, both out for the entire season with season-ending injuries. Somebody needed to step up aside from Tyler Johnson. DJ Davidson has done exactly that in the defensive interior 16 tackles two passes defended I mean those are very very vital especially in the trenches you know where you know you at least want to try to get your hand up in those passing lanes you know because obviously quarterbacks are going to be able to get rid of the ball sooner rather than later especially in the Pac-12 so I just feel like DJ's you know week-to-week contributions and impact on the game are not underrated but a lot of times isn't exactly seen just because he frees up so much for everybody else on the defensive front to do so I really enjoy watching him. Yeah, I think Davidson can definitely be considered like an unsung hero, excuse me, of the defense with Lole and uh, Trevez Moore sitting out for the season now with season ending injuries. We need someone to step up. DJ Davidson has been exactly that. So while he's not stacking up the box score and I mean, the numbers are still pretty solid considering what he's asked to do, but he's not the sack master that like we we wish he would be, I guess, but we're not asking him to be a sack master. What we're asking him to do is play football really good, and Davidson does that. Well, with this defense, it can be said at any level of football, right? When you have a great secondary like the Sun Devils possess, uh, they're absolutely dominating receivers, and as far as passing yards this year, they're giving up an incredibly low number of passing yards per game. That's giving the defensive line more time to get after the quarterback, And finishing the play is all well and good. Even if you don't have all the sack numbers, I I think we can agree that it's not that big a deal, but you have to at least force pressure on that quarterback uh, and hopefully have them make a bad decision. Unfortunately for the Sun Devils, it's led to a lot of facing mobile quarterbacks and them getting outside the pocket instead of making that bad decision and picking up some extra yards with their legs, which is a good thing that UCLA's quarterback does not have very good mobility either. Ah, that's where you're wrong, my friend. That's where I got wrong. bad news. I got bad yeah, news. I, I got Mr. terrible Dreos. news for you, Connor. What year of UCLA football was I watching? Uh, probably the uh, Josh Rosen days. Yeah, probably probably the Rosen years. And I even have then, no idea who athletic. you're talking about. No idea. Oh, yeah, actually, Troy can Aikman? you come back and play this weekend, please? <laughs> but no, it, it, it's funny that you bring up. Um, the ability or lack thereof to get to the passer because that's something that's been harping the Sun Devils for the last couple of years, right? You know, they were, they always had that nice secondary, but never quite able to get to the passer. If I told you they were tied for the Pac 12 lead in sacks, would you believe me? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're, they have they're, they're, up. they're tied at 12 this year for the, the number one spot in the Pac 12. Wow. Some of the, some of their other players have stepped up a little bit between Omar Norman Lott, Michael Mattis, uh, especially the last two games. Uh, and then young guys like Anthony Cooper getting uh, an opportunity now with the uh, injury to Dravez Moore. It's nice to see that they're at least, uh, again, finding that next man up mentality. But I, I didn't know they were tied to the league lead in the Pac-12. So that's crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, crazy as well. I mean, and obviously, Richie already pointed out their numbers. The number one defense in the Pac-12, 247 and a half yards per game, um, 124 yards allowed through the year, I believe. They're actually the only defense in the Pac-12 to not get allow a thousand overall offensive yards through four games. But I feel like that could be attributed to, you know, Southern Utah, Colorado, you know, those kind of schools as well. But Hey, we earned those wins fair and square. For what it's worth, they've been able 
to hold it down. 16 points allowed per game, another Pac-12 low. So uh, everybody thought that the defense is going to be their strong point heading into the season. And so far, it's definitely been. Richie and I had looked at some of those stats yesterday. I want to say they were at 990 off the top of my head. And the next closest in the Pac-12 is at, I think, somewhere in the 1200s, maybe 1300s. But again, you got to attribute that a little bit to the conversation, or uh, at least like your competition. Um, I think Oregon had allowed the most yards um, or it was darn near the bottom. But when you're playing schools like in Ohio state or like maybe even a Fresno state early on in the year, which has been a nice surprise when you're playing that kind of competition, it's definitely more expected than what ASU's had to go up against so far. So with that being said, uh, those were Donnie Gruden's thoughts on the defense uh, for our last segment. We're going to be getting into the rest of their schedule games that we can absolutely identify as a win. We can count going down uh, or playing against Tucson this year, potentially. Uh, games we can probably count as a loss due to the la- level of competition the ASU is going to have to go up against. And then maybe some of those in-between games that we think are going to decide the Sun Devils season. You're listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Have you ever taken advice as far as what protein bar you should buy? Some of your friends go to their gym. They say, oh, like my, my best friend says you absolutely should go get the RX bar or anything else name brand. Well, I'm telling you that's a mistake. My favorite bar is going to be Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know Built Bar flavors, well, you're just missing out. They have coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there's something really for everyone. You know what my favorite is? It's definitely that double chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carb. That's it. A couple of the other flavors have 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, and they're all healthy. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 50% off at BuiltBar.com. You're listening to the Lockdown Sun Devils podcast. We are back for our third and final segment with our guest, Donnie Druin. Now we're going to get into the rest of the ASU schedule this season. We're going to identify games we think are going to be not necessarily an easy win, but games we feel very comfortable as of today. Games that we think that they're probably going to lose based on the way that the teams have performed so far this year. And then maybe some games that we think are going to decide the rest of the Sun Devils season based on them pulling off that upset win or not. So with that... Donnie, we're going to start off with probably the most difficult game we have left in the schedule. Mm-hmm. We are going to Pasadena to play the UCLA Bruins. How do you feel about the Sun Devils' chances going into that game? Ooh, man, uh, UCLA opened as three-and-a-half-point favorites this week, and I, I feel like that kind of tells you all you need to know about where the public sees both the Sun Devils and the Bruins. Not exactly a favorable matchup for Arizona Stay on either side of the ball, really. Um, you know, this looks to be like a high-scoring game. I believe the over/under set at 55 and a half, which is 10 points more than the over/under was last week for ASU. It, it's tough. It's going to be especially tough. The Sun Devils haven't won in Pasadena, excuse me, since 2015. Uh, so there's a lot riding on this matchup. Like I said a little bit earlier, whoever wins, you know, it ascends to the top of the Pac-12 South Division, kind of controls their own destiny from there. So it, it'll be a very close game, I believe. I don't think any team's going to blow each other out. I think the re-rivals of guys like Trainum and Chase Lucas will definitely make a difference for the Sun Devils. 
How much of a difference that'll make, I'm not entirely sure. It is notable, though, that um, quarterback uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson for UCLA has been battling a shoulder injury that he suffered last week in their victory over Stanford, but he's been practicing all week, so I'm not really sure he's going to be too much of a liability to miss the game. <sighs> I like UCLA in that game. I, I really do think the Bruins could you know, potentially walk out of there with the win. I don't think the Sun Devils will make it easy on them. And I could very well see Arizona State pulling this game out if they're firing on all cylinders like we know they can. But just from what we've seen from both teams so far, I feel like UCLA has been the better overall team. They're playing at home, and obviously the last time the Sun Devils won on the road, they looked nothing like prepared or ready to go on the road. This game shouldn't be any different, so I, I got to go with UCLA. So you touched on some of the odds. Rich and I will get into some of our odds as well as uh, score predictions towards the very end of this week for the Friday edition of the podcast. I got to be surprised. I If the spread's only at three and a half, I feel pretty comfortable taking UCLA in that. I, I don't necessarily expect the Sun Devils to win. I could totally see it. I, I feel like Vegas generally gives the, the home team about three points baked into it for the most part. Uh, so the fact that it's only at three and a half, uh, again, it tells you what a lot of people do think of the Sun Devils team uh, against a very good UCLA team. So let's get into the next game. Uh, Stanford, uh, again, another tough one. And of course, it's back to back. But at least this one is in Tempe. What do you feel about Stanford against the Sun Devils? Man, Stanford's just one of those teams that, like, they weren't supposed to be all that good this year, but they've played pretty much each team really tough. And, like, they're not going to be an easy out, especially with David Shaw still coaching those Cardinal. I feel a lot better about the Sun Devils playing at home, so I definitely do side with you guys on that. I currently have Stanford as a W for the Sun Devils, and that's no disrespect to the Cardinals. I just like Arizona State coming off of a potential loss to UCLA, looking to rebound and kind of getting the hunger back inside of them. I do think the Sun Devils overall are the better team whenever it comes to, you know, no offense, defense, and I'm not even going to say special teams whenever it comes to kicking and punting. But, you know, it's just overall, it's college football. Home field advantage does play such a big part in these games. And, you know, I think that mixed with ASU's overall better talent, it's got to be a win for the Sun Devils, right? I think being at home, I'd probably agree. If it was at Stanford, I'd probably lean the other direction. But I think that game could be a bit of a shootout, whoever has the ball last there. Yeah, and then after that, ASU is going to have to take on the Utah Utes, who – at one point in time, we're ranked. They're no longer ranked anymore. They definitely feel like the little brothers at the Pac-12, but in the in the Pac-12 South at this point. But what do you think, Donnie? I think they're the little brothers that you asked them to go do a chore, and they just like dropped a glass in the kitchen and ran away from it. I mean, these these Utah Utes have not been the team everybody had thought they were going to be heading into the season. Uh, I think disappointing is probably the proper word to describe those guys. I currently have that game as a win for the Sun Devils, even though it'll be on the road in Utah. I, I just feel really confident about ASC's chances. I, I know the last thing they traveled to uh, Utah Provo, for example, it didn't go all too well, but I feel like BYU just leaps and bounds better than Utah. Obviously we saw that whenever BYU beat them a couple weeks ago, but whenever it comes to traveling to Utah, ASU is definitely the favorite in my opinion. And then following that game, Arizona State is going to have themselves a nice little bye week to recoup and get ready for Washington State coming into Tempe. Yeah, and I know – I feel like we shouldn't even include U of A in the Pac-12 ranking. So 
leaving UAV out of this, I feel like Washington State's got to be probably the worst team in the Pac-12. I mean, they really have nothing going for the Cougars on either side of the ball, really. I mean, nothing really scares me or terrifies me about the Cougars. And, you know, especially with the ASU team that has far superior talent, both in the trenches, skill positions, you know, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, this really shouldn't be the game. I mean, whenever the spread comes out, take ASU with the spread. That's all confident I feel about them winning over Washington State. I don't know about being the second worst team. Colorado is pretty, pretty bad, at least on offense. We had, When we were previewing Colorado, looking at their, their raw offensive numbers, dude, they have had a rough go of it so far through four games. So, but I ideally Washington state can be a, another easy win for them as well. Then we get into a very interesting game because at the very start of the season, USC by a lot of people will probably be one of the favorites in, in the PAC 12, not just the South. Now, so far you've got injuries to Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart is also going to be out with, uh, or for at least a couple of weeks. Who knows if he's going to be ready for this game. So I, I think if we're predicting it now, it, it makes it a little difficult but let's just say that that Jackson Dart is back for this game. How would you feel about that matchup? Uh, I feel a little bit less confident in AC's ability if Jackson Dart is playing. And um, obviously, if Slovis was kind of at the helm, I'd feel a little bit better about ASU's chances. All in all, this game's going to be at home. And you know, I feel like, I believe, don't exactly quote me on this, but the last three or four times the Sun Devils has played USC, I think there's an average margin of victory of three points if you go back and look at the numbers and add all of those together and divide them. So it's just certainly tough games between all of those programs throughout the years. And honestly, this one shouldn't be any different. Granted, the USC hasn't exactly been the uh, the power program everybody expected them to be coming out of the South. They fired Clay Elton a couple of weeks ago, and obviously the the miracle that was Jackson Dart came alive. And, you know, they're certainly – expecting a lot of big things out of him. But you have to remember, at the end of the day, I mean, these guys are still four or five-star recruits. They're still able to play the game of football. But that being said, you know, a a trip to Tempe, a very hopefully well-organized and coached Herm Edwards team, I I do like their chances against them. I would certainly qualify this as a a quote-unquote toss-up kind of pick-em game between the two programs. But this really all depends for me on how disciplined the Sun Devils will be, because I feel like if they don't commit any or a lot of turnovers, if they don't commit any or a lot of penalties, this is a very easy winnable game, especially with USC's form as of late. I mean, that they are not the US the Trojans that you and I grew up watching, that's for sure. So with that being said, I, I don't know if I caught that. What was the verdict there? You, you think that's going to be a winnable game as of now? Winnable, the... yeah. Yeah, so okay. I, I currently have that one in the win column. Well, we have to play with a bit of a, a penalty handicap, so to speak. So I don't know if yeah. we can like talk to anybody about that. Because if we can just cut those penalties in half, it, it should be a winnable game. At that point, it's only going to be, what, the double digits? So, Yeah, and then as we continue looking in the schedule, we end up heading up to – Washington State to take on the Huskies, who are two and two right now, but don't look overly impressive. Yeah, and disappointing team in the Pac-12. I mean, they were a ranked team in going into the season, and everybody thought, hey, in order to prevent Oregon from three-peating in the Pac-12, this was going to be the team to stop them, considering 
you know, Oregon's non-conference schedule wasn't exactly super hard. Washington had to be the team to step up, and they look nothing like they were supposed to this year. I mean, they're, uh, you know, the quarterback hasn't really gotten things figured out in terms of all over tremendously. And they just don't have that, like, experienced secondary that you're so used to seeing out of the Washington Huskies year in, year out. So I, at this moment in time, you know, with how we've seen the Washington Huskies play, as of late, I feel like it's an extremely winnable game for ASU, even though it's on the road in Washington. Definitely agreed there. Uh, then we get into, uh, again, what I feel is another interesting game. Uh, historically, going up to Corvallis, especially later on in the season, it could be the easiest game on their schedule, and ASU, for whatever reason, just does not pull out that win. But also to the, to the surprise of, I, I think, a fair amount of fans, Oregon State's offenses look pretty darn good so far this year. Yeah, and kind of to your point, that's always a game the Sun Devils have struggled with, and you kind of sprinkle in the fact that Oregon State is actually looking decent, right? You know, not looking too terrible. Doesn't exactly leave you confident. And, I mean, this is a team that a lot of people – think may potentially beat Oregon down the stretch whenever they meet in the final week of the regular season. I feel like that's kind of a stretch at this point, but you know what? The Beavers have looked like a really talented team traveling all the way up to Oregon. I, I'm not sold on the Sun Devils being able to win this ballgame. I'm really not. I, I had this down as a loss for the Sun Devils, man. I think the Beavers can indeed beat the Sun Devils in Oregon State. Well, don't worry. None of us are going to fault you for taking the Beavers because historically, for whatever reason, when we go up to play Oregon State in their home stadium for for one reason or another, we just consistently drop the ball. And the perfect storm is happening. As of now, obviously, this game is still just about two months away, a little less than two months away. There's plenty of time for Oregon State to start cooling down and be bad, but they're 3-1 and one with the best offense in the Pac-12. But Speaking of good offenses, the last game of the season is against the U of A Wildcats. Oh, I said good offenses. Sorry, I, that was a bad transition. Speaking of bad offenses and just bad football teams in general, U of A is going to be the same way we close out every year, and we get them in Tempe this year. Donnie, what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm going to quote you guys and, uh, you know, kind of, and I would say the motto of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, whenever I say 70 to 7. 70 to 7. What else, what else needs to be said, boys? I mean, this should be an absolute thrashing of a matchup. I mean, kind of like I said earlier, whenever they go on the road to Washington State, whatever ASU is with the spread, take them because they are going to eclipse it and more. Yeah, that would definitely be the one game that I am consistently confident in for Arizona State to actually show up and cover the spread. It, it would definitely be that one because not only is U of A bad, but we absolutely hate everything about Tucks in Arizona. So we're the Locked On Sun Devils podcast, not the Locked On Wildcats podcast, but we will be for just like 30 seconds. Did you guys see that stat that it's going to be uh, two calendar years since U of A has won a football game? Because this week they have their bye and then I believe, and it could be off just by a couple of days, but the last U of A win was October 5th of 2019, I believe. Two yes. years, man. And their, their schedule is not getting any easier. Well, I'll, I'll speak for everyone here when I tell you that we love to see it. Yeah, their schedule is not getting easier playing schools like NAU. Yeah, I really hate to see that. 
Oh no, you love to see it. When when you're not even the second best football team in Arizona. I mean, honestly, GCU could field a bunch of scrubs right now, and I I'd feel pretty good about their chances to go two Tucson and win. If their soccer team just put the pads on, I think they could take it to them. So, well, and take their basketball team with all the hops for those red zone fades. A bunch of uh, tight ends from their basketball team, former basketball players. That's never been done before. So with that being said, uh, that was our guest host, Donnie Druin, uh, and all of his thoughts as far as the Sun Devil offense, defense, and the remaining schedule. Donnie is from Arizona State and Sports Illustrated. Donnie, where can our uh, listeners find you on Twitter? Yeah, so uh, my personal account will be at Donnie Druin, D as in David, O-N-N-I-E, D as in David again, R-U-I-N. And then All Sun Devils on Sports Illustrated, just at All Sun Devils. Pretty simple, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. Gentlemen, it's been an immense pleasure joining you guys. Both of you obviously love the show. Like I said at the beginning, top of the hour, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Really appreciate you having me on. Well, and we're definitely going to have you on more than once moving on in the future. Can't wait for you to be a second-time caller. Remember to, to follow us on Twitter as well. You can find me at Cedrios and find Richie Bradshaw at Richie Brads with a Z36. Remember to follow our Twitter page as well, at LO underscore Sun Devils. Subscribe to our podcast, whether it's going to be Spotify, Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcast. You're listening to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Betting on college football doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts.